You all have heard me talk many times about my wife here on the show. You might recall that she's a yoga teacher, and I wanted to let you know that she is starting her own streaming service called Yoga with Ashlyn, A-I-S-L-I-N-N. That's how you spell it. And if you enjoy our meticulous, data-oriented approach here on Dunked On, either you or a significant other will find this to be the best streaming service there is for yoga. Unlike apparently a lot of teachers, she spends about an hour planning the sequence for each class. Why is that important? Well, it helps you get the most out of every second that you're on the mat, whether it's one of her quick 10-minute refresh classes or one of her super hardcore inversion labs. This detailed sequencing makes all the difference whether you're looking for injury prevention, getting into that really hard pose you haven't been able to master, or just getting your mind right at the end of a really hard day. She's got over 130 classes, and that library is growing at one to two classes per week. She'll even take requests from members on new classes that they like. You can search by poses, by body part if you're feeling something is tight. She's really built an impressive platform. And whether you want to get into yoga more yourself or you know someone who is really into yoga and is looking for a way to get a lot better, check out Yoga with Ashlyn. There's a free seven-day trial. You can either go to yogawithashlyn.com or there's a link to her service in the description of this podcast. That's yogawithashlyn.com, A-I-S-L-I-N-N, or just click the link in the podcast description. You know, I kind of like playing basketball, Danny. That was one of my favorite NBA games, Heather. Just incredible performances on both sides. Neither team running on all cylinders, obviously. But to just see that type of performance from LeBron and AD in the second half and that shot by LeBron and Steph Curry with the role reversal as the guy hunting LeBron with the inferior cast around him as LeBron was doing to Steph so many times and Steph really delivering in a lot of ways but just still coming up just a little bit short man I mean what just an unbelievable basketball game that was and I mean it really felt like a game seven and given the stakes we talked about this but it's worth reiterating this was so important for the Lakers to win this game if they have championship aspiration it is and I I mean to me that is that is the story of this game and like the reason Anthony Davis played the entire second half is because being the seven seed not only getting an extra couple days off because both the winner of this game and the winner of Friday's game both play on Sunday against different opposition And also, by virtue of how everything worked out, in no small part because it appears the Clippers believed the Lakers would win this game, they ended up being correct by the skin of their teeth. Now you have the Lakers in the same section of the bracket with... The Suns, a very talented team, but a team that doesn't have a ton of combined playoff experience. The Denver Nuggets, without their second best player, and the Portland Trailblazers, who are not good enough to win a championship. And so being there, and yes, it's true, the Lakers will not have home court in any series unless the eighth seed also makes the conference finals, but that is a more winnable road than presumably the Jazz, the Clippers, and whoever makes it out of that out of that other side. Yeah, obviously we'll, we'll talk about that Warriors-Grizz game a little bit here before we go as well but i mean i think the place to start was the shocking news that lebron james was going to be limited to around 30 minutes in the beginning now did that actually really turn out to be the case he only ended up playing 35 but and they needed every single one of those and lebron was plus 13 as it turned out in this game and it, it was a nightmare first half for the lakers 
LeBron, AD, and Dennis Schroeder, their three primary scorers, I think, combined for three field goals. So, like, eight points on 20 shots, something like that, in the first half. Like, it was just atrocious. And they went to AD at center a little bit down the end when the Warriors actually ended up extending their lead and led 55-43 at halftime. Or was it 50, it's 55-42 uh, at halftime? But, I mean, I, I think, and we could talk more, obviously, about the end of the game. We'll hit on, on those last three minutes, which were obviously classic. But I think someone who's probably not going to get enough credit in this game is Frank Vogel. And like he did in the Lakers championship run last year, he made the hard decisions. He sat the guys who needed to be sat that the organization had really invested in. And he got the guys out there to win them the game. And that took a couple of different forms in Wednesday's contest. The one that happened first was all of the centers they brought in did not play. And instead, the best center on the Lakers, Anthony Davis, played. And boy, did he ever. 42 minutes of action, including the whole second half. And the, I mean, the Lakers were doing really well before that. But you knew that Frank Vogel meant business when he went to Davis at center. They brought in Wes Matthews for Andre Drummond with 516 left. The member the, the Lakers had cut the lead yeah, down in the in the third quarter. in the third quarter the Lakers had cut the lead down but then the Warriors had pushed it back up to nine and then that was kind of a signal of okay they're they're really going for it and the Warriors went small then too but it created so many more opportunities for the Lakers because all of a sudden Draymond Green couldn't be the absolute destructor that he was around the basket whether davis had the ball or not that was that was largely taken out of play that helped juice the lakers offense and then the one that happened late was dennis schroeder gets torched by stephen curry on consecutive possessions one for three and one for a basket at the rim and then pull schroeder alex caruso a more limited player but better within that you know he, he doesn't have as much offensive game but you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You don't need a whole lot of that. Caruso gets a forces a Steph Curry turnover, and the Warriors' offense never looks quite the same. Yeah, Caruso got his hand in, knocked the ball off of Curry's leg. Um, it, yeah, again, we'll, we'll go possession by possession through the end. But yeah, I mean that was huge. Caruso had a, a drive and dish to AD as well down the end. He did a great job in transition, double teaming Curry at the end, and you know no hair. I mean now. It's worth noting here what it took for the Lakers to win this game against really good opposition. We'll see how good this Warriors team actually really is in the end. Um, you know, I mean, obviously they got to win against Memphis to even be part of this. But Dennis Schroeder, big offseason acquisition, trade away Danny Green and a first rounder for him on the bench. Montrose Harrell used the mid-level exception, didn't play in the second half. Andre Drummond promised him the starting job. Let's get him here. He'll be the center on the bench. Marcus Gasol, they had to trade JaVale McGee and do a bunch of gyrations to give him a two-year minimum deal, didn't play in the entire game. So for those of us who are like, yeah, maybe the Lakers don't deserve that much credit for this offseason because these guys aren't going to be part of their best groups and they just had so much success with LeBron and AD and role players, shooters and defenders around them. The one guy that we liked, Wes Matthews, he got exhumed, right, with 18 minutes left in the game. I don't know if, did he even come out after that? Uh, well, he played 15 of the last 18 minutes. So 
And and yeah, he I and mean, Wes Matthews and Alex Caruso, the two of them, and I mean also ramped up effort from LeBron and Anthony Davis, their defensive effort was just so much better. Like they were and and part of it was personnel, but part of it was also just having have having those guys just really swarm and we saw LeBron in passing and in the first half, I mean we had that play that I, I stuck out to me was we're doing that broadcast of Juan Toscano Anderson going one on one against LeBron in transition and just kind of gliding past him. And it was like, ooh, LeBron doesn't look there. And, and you know, LeBron wasn't, he wasn't right, even before he no, got bashed he, in the face had, and messed up his knee. He had very limited explosion around the rim on most of these plays. And he's able to carve out some space at times in the second half. Uh, and he hit, he hit a couple of face-up jumpers over Wiggins as well. And he was much better in the second half. Like, I mean, he, he and Davis in the second half were awesome 16 points for lebron six assists plus 22 two of three from downtown davis 16 or uh he had 20 points in the second half plus 16 eight out of 12 from the field yeah, kp he, had, had sorry or, ad yeah. went eight out of 12 when he'd gone two out of 12 in the first half yeah and when he was at center he was nine of 13 from the field and he was one of 11 with drummond or harrell on the floor with him and they tried to post him up a couple of times on Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green made it very clear that that wasn't going to work. I mean, Draymond, it, it, particularly in the first half, was just unbelievable. Uh, you know, all uh, Andrew Wiggins was fantastic one-on-one against LeBron in the first half. LeBron tried to go through him a couple of times, and Wiggins just stopped him completely. Um, so, I mean, the Warriors were wonderful defensively in the first half, but the Lakers, you know, they had a center out there most of the time. Schroeder uh, couldn't hit a shot. LeBron uh, was struggling to finish around the rim. Davis couldn't do anything one-on-one I mean another thing that I thought was really important though is putting a center out there requires AD to space the floor from three and he was struggling from three in this game as well finally hit one late but not only can he not do anything around the rim but then other guys can't do anything around the rim if he's not going to shoot that well and it wasn't a great start for AD because he had that unbelievable jump shooting run last year in the bubble and to see whether he's going to do that again or not um now I thought he had a wonderful defensive game particularly in the second half and I mean the other thing that was so big in the second half is Steph Curry had 22 points 7 of 12 from the field 5 of 5 from the line 3 of 3 from 3 4 turnovers in the second half uh, in 22 minutes but the biggest number there is three three three-point attempts he made all three of them all three of them were absolutely ridiculous shots but they only let him get it three attempts for a guy who you know had games where uh, i think he got up 22 against memphis so they just made sure that Steph Curry wasn't going to beat them. And these just were not quite the same Warriors of old where they could punish that strategy of putting two on the ball. And Draymond Green had just a ton of turnovers. He had some really bad passes in this game, failed to get a field goal. Like he just didn't play well enough offensively. He was playing, trying to throw passes like he was playing against a young team like the Memphis Grizzlies or playing against, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And these are the Lakers and this, like this defense, both teams defense was great but the Warriors they ultimately ended up making more mistakes at the end um as we'll talk about and that's that's why they lost yeah and the Lakers having 29 points off turnovers compared to eight compared to 18 for the Warriors I mean that's exceedingly important in terms of the story of this game the Lakers by virtue of that primarily but also they grabbed more offensive rebounds they won the possession battle they got to the free throw line more and so they were able to overcome not only the Warriors three-point shooting but both teams shooting about 45 percent on twos in this game part of that was a lot of plays that are basically strips on the way up generally count as missed shots and blocks rather than rather than steals and turnovers but 
I mean, Draymond Green's defensive performance was unbelievable, especially in the first half. Anthony Davis, LeBron had a couple of big plays, not nearly as many. And then the just the overall level of, of execution and effort, not top to bottom, but close enough. I mean, for a seven versus eight game, absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, this is an extremely high level of basketball game and people have been talking about how defense doesn't matter anymore. I mean, defense matters. Like Draymond Green, he wanted that crown back as the best playoff defensive player in basketball. And, you know, AD rose to the occasion as well with some of the plays that he was making out on the floor defensively uh, against Steph Curry. And also the one he made blocking Draymond Green when he stupidly went for a layup over Anthony Davis. Yeah. I I mean, there were dudes trying to go in and like score on people at the rim where, Draymond got Caruso one time where it was just like no this is Draymond Green and Anthony Davis like you don't want to do that uh, in this game I mean yeah the intensity level was awesome I mean I think the Warriors had more intensity in the in the first half um you know uh I, I did think there are some weird player usage aspects for Steve Kerr particularly Jordan Poole playing the entire second and the entire fourth quarter but not a second in the first and third quarter and I thought they really could have desperately used Poole particularly early on I would have actually gone whenever LeBron was off the floor that was a good chance to get Poole out there or to get him out there when they really were just struggling to make plays like their starting unit Wiggins got off a little bit early, but he's he's not really a great decision maker. Baysmore had some really bad decisions, particularly in the first half, although he had a great one to set up a, a three that could have tied it in the last minute. Um, and, and then just having Looney and Draymond out there together, I actually would say that the Warriors lost this game, not in the AD at center minutes, but in that first six minutes when Drummond was out there and they had a bunch of turnovers, gave up a bunch of fast breaks. The Lakers offense was completely stuck in the mud and they started scoring even with the centers out there because they were able to get out on the fast break uh, or semi-transition off of Warriors misses and Warriors turnovers. You know, Schroeder got those two free throws right away at the start of the quarter to at least get going a a little bit. Um, And and so I thought that was really the key stretch to me where the Lakers basically got right back into it. Then when LeBron went off the floor, the Warriors were able to reestablish the lead. And then when LeBron came back, they went on a 9-2 run to basically tie it. And it was neck and neck essentially the rest of the way. Well, and another important decision actually important sequence came before that when in the second quarter the Warriors were up and like we we wondered about how they were going to handle the minutes when Stephen Curry and Draymond Green were off the floor Steve Kerr decides not to bring Steph and Draymond in at a timeout. The Warriors were up nine. They had just pushed the lead up a little bit. Wiggins had made a shot. Uh, Juan Toscano Anderson had made a shot. And so it's like, oh, let's keep the guys in who are doing well. I, I believe like Steph, Steph and Draymond, the Lakers called a timeout, could have come in. Yeah, they this was this was maybe with, you know, like, let me see what it was. It, it was, was 738. Like se- the 738 timeout. yeah yeah and then so over the next minute and a half there's there's no there are no other stoppages the lakers score twice the warriors don't get any good looks they miss they miss a couple of a couple of threes and the margin goes from nine to five and then when they when the, the warriors bring in steph and draymond surprise surprise like that's when anthony davis comes back in so you lost the potential advantage there maybe Vogel would have brought in 80 early but then he would have been more tired for later on and it kind of ties in with something kerr did bring in steph and draymond earlier in the fourth quarter but 
understanding that sometimes the definitive moment in a game happens earlier. Sometimes it doesn't, it, it, you know, I'm not saying they would have like stomped on the Lakers neck and it would have been over, but you take advantages when advantages are given to you. And I thought that the Warriors didn't do that. And the other time that they really didn't do that was knowing that Frank Vogel was going to go traditional center at the beginning of each half. And that isn't, you shouldn't see that as an opportunity to play your center. You should see that as an opportunity to create an advantage. And they didn't do that at all. Offense got stuck in the mud in the third quarter. They didn't really in the first, but some of the first quarter stuff was a little bit weird. Like Andrew Wiggins yeah, going Wiggins, supernova. Wiggins got off then. Like Steph was really struggling early in the first. And then when they went with Draymond at center, it opened up more. I mean, he hit that ridiculous shot uh, as well, um, going to his left uh, at the at the end of the, the quarter in the first half. So, um yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think they, particularly as the underdog, that they probably should have tried to use Kevon Looney just solely as Draymond's backup in this game instead. Now, I will laud both coaches for, I mean, they at least didn't do something totally dumb like some of these other coaches have in this one game scenario. And I will laud both coaches for like getting to it pretty quickly uh, and not fucking around. But there's still a little bit of fucking around uh, at the beginning. Um, So, yeah, I mean, up 13, you know, Steve Kerr, most coaches, pretty much any coach, they're not going to change up their strategy after they went up 13 in the first half. But I think as it became clear that their offense wasn't working, I think they should have tried to uh, tried to go in another direction there. Um, uh, what else you got on this one? There were a couple and West of, Matthews. Yeah, sorry, oh, yeah. There, and West Matthews was involved in what I was going to talk about. There were a couple of weird sequences, including one relatively late. I don't think this was in the final few minutes, which we're going to go through, where the Warriors got a steal, and then West Matthews worked his way and basically tipped the ball in the, in the Warriors' own backcourt and turned it back the other way for a finish. And so that was, you could, I mean, it's probably a four point swing. You know, you think you, how, how that can often work out. And then there were a few other just bizarre miscues, some of which we'll talk about in the last two minutes where the Lakers kind of like quick kicked an inbound pass and the Warriors weren't ready for it after after that Steph turnover. And yeah. those sorts of mistakes, like, yeah, you, you can argue uh, there are a million things that could change a game like this, you know, a wide open three or a timeout that wasn't called or anything else, but it can easily be those sorts of, those sorts of mistakes or Kent Bazemore d- taking those no hope layups and you know he was 0 for 5 on twos in this game instead of trying to find a teammate trying to get something else and there were a couple like he had a couple of nice finds but those you know those calibrations those decisions come under a microscope with stakes this high yeah now Bazemore did have five steals he did and he did he did hit uh he was hitting his corner three as well um you know Wes Matthews back to him one of four from three that was all the field goal attempts that he took one assist one rebound plus 17 in 14 minutes he drew an offensive foul uh on Andrew Wiggins where he perfectly anticipated his Euro step move and transition he drew the offensive foul on Draymond Green in the last couple of minutes of the game and you mentioned he just was playing really hard he had a big offensive rebound that led to Caruso missing a three off the back the side of the backboard Lakers had three threes that went off the side of the backboard in this game uh channeling a little Paul George there but yeah it was uh he was key I mean that's just the type of player that works next to LeBron like it doesn't take a genius 
to figure that out and I, and there's I, this feeling like i thought west matthews was good in the playoffs last year for the bucks he should have played more he was good on jimmy butler last year um they supposedly brought him in to start chris haynes tweeted that when he signed but he's never really been the starter and he's basically been out of the rotation and all of a sudden hey when you're desperate they went to him they didn't go to Taylor horton tucker uh, in the second half uh who I, I didn't think was bad but you know he had like a turnover and, and, and it was one of two from three in the first half but they just they needed west matthews out there and his energy was a key uh, he, he was really good and maybe he's not going to play 35 minutes for this group but he to me he needs to be in the rotation going forward and so he he replaced some of the centers they need basically i think that was really what it was in the lineup he was replacing drummond and uh and mantras harrell um harrell only played yeah. 10 minutes by the way yeah uh michael Mulder had a really nice first half uh i thought he was pretty decent defensively he had a big dunk along the baseline the one three that he hit was like right in the eye of dennis shooter but he just he leaves you wanting a little bit as a shooter as he did in that game against memphis um but you know he, he was a, a decent rotation piece piece he didn't really get exploited you know he was neutral uh in this one you know they got something out of juan toscano anderson they got something out of jordan pool i thought pool had some foibles and the, the warriors defense is not going to be as good they he was kind of involved in some of the miscommunications uh down the end uh, as well um you know kavan looney actually scored three baskets in this game somehow uh and had two block shots and five offensive rebounds uh he was he was good within his limitations as much as you want to uh complain about him being he, out there even if, even if his minutes. hands were less sticky than some yeah usually hit. usually he'll like get every rebound because he just he gets like one finger on it he just inhales it but he, he missed one and they're just the warriors errors right like wiggins uh having a wide open dunk underneath on a pass from draymond and just not catching the ball for example um just uh, some of the little flubs around the rim by looney they'll look back on um you know i actually i thought that kerr in in the fourth did a nice job to have andrew wiggins be the screener for stuff i think that's something that they need to look at more closely but he figured out that the lakers basically anytime stuff was involved in a screen they were just going to double team uh regardless of who it was so wiggins was being guarded by another small i think it was kcp they double teamed and then wiggins was able to roll to the rim and get an and one because you know which draymond really couldn't do to get to the basket and finish the wiggins was able to do that with space that was a, a nice ato call anything else uh, on the meat of the game here uh or, or should we get into this last three minutes so it's been all over the news lately with the economy reopening that a lot of companies are looking to hire and the last thing that you need when you don't have enough staff is to take more time than you need hiring the people that you need to run your business that's why indeed is the hiring partner who helps make your life easier it's as easy as one two three you post screen and interview all on indeed you get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job description and you get it faster you only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications you can skip schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard, and you can immediately get quality candidates whose resumes fit your job description. They also have skills tests that you can choose from more than 130 of. On average, these tools reduce hiring time by 27%, and according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires, not candidates. Anyone can be a candidate. Sometimes there are too many candidates. You want hires. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit 
to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace because we talked about all the time here on the program. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash capspace. That's indeed.com slash capspace. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Don't get that slash capspace URL. Let's let them know that you came from us. It was about a year ago now that there was that massive shortage of toilet paper. Remember that? Even still, it, it seems like you can't get as much as you might want to at the store. And that shed some light for me on the idea that toilet paper is not very environmentally friendly either. Over 27,000 trees are cut down each day to make toilet paper. And that's why now I use Real. It's 100% bamboo toilet paper. Bamboo grows faster than trees. It doesn't need to be replanted. And it's just a more sustainable material uh, overall. It's three-ply, making it both soft and strong. Even the tape is plastic-free, as, of course, is the rest of their packaging. And every real purchase helps fund access to clean toilets for the 2.4 billion people who currently have to defecate outside so it's good for you it's good for the environment it gets sent right to your house which is awesome with free shipping so you don't have to take up 95 percent of the room in your shopping cart just with toilet paper no reason not to give it a try listeners of dunked on get 10 percent off their first order with the promo code capspace easy to remember that because we talk about it all the time around the program visit realpaper.com r-e-e-l realpaper.com and use that capspace code to get 10 percent off don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us Let's get into the last three minutes. So Golden State's up 98-95 after Curry hits the second of his two shots flowing by uh, Dennis Schroeder. So we were saying it on the NBA cast. I was really impressed with Frank Vogel that he went with Alex Caruso uh, instead of Dennis Schroeder to close the game. And that was absolutely 100% the right decision. And But it didn't start off great for the Lakers. They ran a little iso play for LeBron. He just held the ball forever against Kent Bazemore, never even tried to back down. And then he missed a, a jumper way short over him uh then was the play where Steph got his pocket picked by Caruso they're up three at this point and that really changed the game because after that Steph I don't know if he was complaining or what he ran towards the opposite side of the court thinking he was guarding someone over there but Poole and Bazemar already were guarding those guys Steph I don't know if he was supposed to be guarding Caruso or not but they totally miscommunicated they didn't know who had Caruso Draymond had to come over and help and it was a two-on-one he passed it Caruso made a couple of nice passes he got to AD for some free throws where that was off a dead ball sideline out of bounds they gave up a fast break by just not knowing who they were guarding in the last three minutes of the game awful stuff yeah and then and then Steph missed missed the two I think if memory serves that was one of the cleaner looks he just got it got it a little yeah. bit pulled it pulled the string a little bit tight and then yeah, he, he had a, a he they got double teamed by AD AD went back to his man off the pick and roll and then Steph got by Caruso and got a pretty good look at a floater it's interesting I think Steph is actually much better at floaters off the glass coming in from the side than the straight on floater like it seems like he never misses that floater off the glass he <laughs> Hit a few of those. Um, so then after he misses that floater there they fucked up the matchups again they had no communication Wiggins was on LeBron but he went for the offensive rebound he's behind the play LeBron comes down they never really uh match up with him uh and I can't remember who it was who made the pass to LeBron on that play but they basically it was like, never stopped the ball yeah they never stopped the ball they never communicated Draymond again got stuck in, in a two-on-one you know again a play that really if you just do good enough communication like Jordan Poole is like kind of out there doesn't really have a the exact right guy uh he's just standing there not really guarding anyone they just you know didn't do a good enough job of like i mean when you're getting back in transition defense it's a drill you always do all right if you're in a scramble situation you just got to talk it out of who you're going to pick up and they failed to do that and so then lebron got fouled 
I thought that should have been a flagrant. A lot of people on Twitter saying not. To me, it was a pretty, you know, I think the reason it didn't get called a flagrant was because there wasn't a windup. And, but, you know, one of the criteria is a, you know, high likelihood of injury. And LeBron, granted, he got hit in the eye, I think, enough where he, he was struggling. Uh, and it also looked like he might have tweaked his knee a little bit as well. Some, like, yet again, avoiding major injury somehow for LeBron. But I thought it was, even though there wasn't a windup, it was clearly a dangerous play. Like, he did not, Green goes with two hands. I mean, that's probably also what saved him was he wasn't, you know, going with one hand to the face. But two hands, not even close to the ball. To me, it was clearly an attempt to just foul him hard enough that he couldn't make the shot. Very reminiscent, actually, of... The play right at the end of Game 7 in 2016 where LeBron came in and then also kind of laid on the floor. LeBron hit big free throws uh, then to put it out of reach uh, at that point. This is after Kyrie had hit the three. A lot of, uh, there's another thing that was pretty reminiscent of uh, of Game 7 in 2016 as well coming up. But uh, so LeBron hit one out of two. Uh, out of that that tied the game at 98 and that's when they had that green offensive foul call which i'm sure a lot of people are up in arms or not what did you think of that call i thought it was correct i i it one of the nice things about doing a broadcast is that it kind of takes us a little bit out of the echo chamber and it's us you know talking it's like us watching the game together and i thought that the foul on the foul on draymond could have easily been a flagrant i would have called it a flagrant one and then the the thing that made this draymond screen an offensive foul is that he had his knee outside the cone of his body and the knee is what made the contact with Wes Matthews. So it's not like, oh, he wasn't in perfect position and Wes Matthews fell over. No, the reason Wes Matthews fell over is because Draymond was outside the cone of his body. And so that is an offensive foul. And it it isn't necessarily like the most obvious foul. It isn't the most, you know, it isn't like the most dastardly foul that has ever occurred, but I believe it was a correctly officiated one. Yeah, and he had his legs pretty wide and that that is what created the contract. They went to a Wiggins- Draymond pick and roll for Wiggins I think to get into a mid-ranger just to try to get it you know save Steph at least a, a little bit I mean who I mean the effort that Steph had to put out offensively in this game to get any kind of a look was just completely exhausting and at least that time they they avoided giving out a fast break uh, off a dead ball and that's when they started going to the pick and roll with LeBron trying to involve Steph and Kent Bazemore is on Caruso and Kent Bazemore just loaded up late in the clock just enough towards LeBron right like you draw enough help and LeBron I don't know if he was really capable of getting way out on the floor against Steph I don't know if there was really time or spacing for him to really work into position to abuse Steph uh, using his size and he just didn't really have the ability to get much separation in this game but obviously anytime Steph was involved you feel like all right we got to get more help here and so Bazemore just takes one step towards LeBron and LeBron sees that he's left Caruso and Bazemore is probably thinking well Caruso he's not a great three-point shooter he just hit the side of the backboard but instead it just meant that there's so much steam on those LeBron passes Caruso is able to start his drive immediately blow by and then set up AD for a big dunk to give the the Lakers the lead yeah and the my favorite wrinkle of that play other than LeBron's timing was Caruso doing to Draymond Green what Draymond Green did to Tristan Thompson in the 2015 finals and numerous subsequent finals of force the force the big man to recover even though what Caruso would prefer to do is make that lob to the cutting Anthony Davis for the dunk like that is the highest proposition play Draymond you know his defensive instincts are to go that direction and it's really really hard to say oh you should you should challenge him to you should play the pass like that's what he wants to do and I've said that for years the team should do that against Draymond but 
And and Caruso, as you noted on the live broadcast, Caruso is better at finishing those plays in many ways than Draymond is. But it, you know, Caruso gets that pass. Lakers go up 100 to 98. And remember, at this point, the Warriors have not scored since the the last sub that Frank Vogel Frank Vogel made, and they haven't scored since that like Curry uh, that Curry sequence where he where he got where he got to the basket on Schroeder. Yeah, and so they did run another pick and roll. Curry attacked the the hip of AD, got some contact, and, and was able to throw it up. It was a non shooting foul, but the Warriors were in the bonus. Uh, Jordan Poole had drawn a loose ball foul on LeBron after LeBron's missed free throw. So t- Steph ties it at a hundred, and so they go back to the pick and roll. KCP being guarded by Steph. This time it doesn't really go anywhere. They try to get KCP on the roll to the basket. It's it's tough when you are spreading it out all over the floor because you just don't have anyone attacking the basket on those plays. And you know, I was assume they'd rather have KCP pick and pop, but KCP is not J.R. Smith back from the old days as a shooter on the move. And Draymond had a great help play, bottles up KCP. LeBron had kind of deactivated after throwing the pass. KCP has to throw it out to him at the Staples Center logo, going to his right. LeBron is much more comfortable going to his left than going to his right. No chance at all Steph took just a second to figure out where it was going he probably could have closed out harder and better than he did but you know LeBron James is also 34 feet from the basket and he hit one of the iconic shots of his career just about the exact amount of time that was left on the clock when Kyrie Irving hit his shot going to his right as well over Steph I mean this was an even more ridiculous shot than the one that Kyrie hit and you know that ended up being the winning margin but there was still plenty of action still to come and that led to the great quote from LeBron whether it was true or him fully embracing the the myth making that sometimes comes with being a Los Angeles Laker yeah he's embraced his uh his corniness uh, in his old age for sure yeah but the, but the, it's still a great quote he said i was i was literally seeing three rims out there i just shot for the middle one and no I matter mean, what well that's uh, is, i mean isn't that obvious like if you see three <laughs> if you see two one, if you see two trouble. that's what it's tougher but if you three i mean clearly you're gonna just go for the one in the middle why would you go for the one on the right that doesn't make any sense and so lebron makes uh the the logging has it as a 34 foot three-pointer yeah. with basically uh, no time on the clock in the shot and clock. on the move too like that he wasn't set and going to his bad side like he managed to get his feet set a little bit but i mean yeah that's just like he's been practicing those like he'll take some deep threes every once in a while but i mean yeah what a completely preposterous shot and something you noted was. um you noted at not as much at the, at the time but we talked about this a little bit on the locker room from curry making that second free throw to the very very end there were no stoppages and so yeah, LeBron, that... which incidentally is parallel i don't know if you remember this i asked Kyrie irving after that shot that he made that was so reminiscent of lebron's i asked him if he was able to appreciate at the moment that he hit a game-winning shot in game seven like every kid dreams of and he's like no i had to get back on defense and that's exactly what happened here the lakers had to get back on defense because they were up three but the warriors were going to have two bites at the apple yeah and you know steph as much he has told said before that he kind of tried to get it back too much on that Kevin Love possession but he basically did the same thing again I even said on the broadcast like is he gonna try and get the three back or is he gonna play basketball and he just would not get off the ball they were double teaming him like crazy he was lucky actually to get it back he kind of like threw it off of Anthony Davis and recovered it and had to finally just give it to Draymond uh and Bazemore made a great cut out of the corner looping into the lane got the ball LeBron came off of Jordan Poole in the corner to try and take a charge 
probably not a great decision actually up three and Jordan Poole had a wide open corner three and he shot the ball well this year he hit another big one like I, you know I'm not gonna say that he choked or anything but I mean that's he could have tied the game and giving them the two for one and put them in a pretty decent position and he just missed it I mean that was just you know make or miss league on that one and then LeBron gets the rebound and the Lakers up three if you get any points you're almost definitely going to win the game end up generating a, a a three for Wes Matthews that doesn't fall and that's not the end of that act craziness either yeah the, it got tapped around by Caruso somehow the Warriors get the rebound and they outlet it to Steph and they're looking pretty good there and I don't know why Steph didn't just turn and go at that point maybe he was expecting there to be a timeout but they had a little bit of an advantage and credit Caruso because a lot of times guys just when they go for the offensive rebound they don't run back immediately and he sprinted back and helped actually double team Steph out near half court to the point where Steph needed to give it up now Jeff Van Gunny was saying I'm fouling I'm not letting him get a three off foul 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 and you can say that and we talked about this with coach Nick on locker room too because he, he was kind enough to call in for a second but there were no stoppages from a minute 20 left to them I mean, it's also by the way completely exhausting to go that far at this type of intensity uh at, at the end of the game and so I don't think they just could have gotten the message that they needed to follow I me mean, maybe some smart veteran could have figured it out now the Warriors also had two timeouts remaining as well so uh, KP put it this way that it looked like the Warriors needed a timeout right up until the moment they took it and that was with Andrew Wiggins receiving the ball in the corner for what looked like it could have been an open three LeBron was closing fast Wiggins just like shot that really quick I don't know if it's because he heard the whistle or thought he had not as much time but they end up taking the timeout with 2.1 remaining Steph got off the ball Draymond swinging around Bazemore got it to Wiggins in the corner but Kerr had sprinted into the front court and was calling timeout at that point so they tried to get a, a little play where they first ran Jordan Poole in front of Kent Bazemore who's the inbounder you'd love to have Draymond as the inbounder but they felt they needed him as a screener in that need a three situation and then they screened away for Steph AD was all over it uh they never really completed it I thought they should have actually gone to Andrew Wiggins in that situation just because I've said the same thing with like uh Chris Paul and Devin Booker at the end of a cast that we did that two seconds left Steph just can't get his shot off in that situation like you have to get a rise in fire yeah I mean his release is just too low he's got a quick release but he's just not gonna be able to get open and you know Draymond screening for him is another mistake because now you're just creating a double team right like Draymond is just not going to be a threat to shoot that shot so I would have loved to have using Steph as a decoy maybe have him screen for Andrew Wiggins or you also try something along the lines I actually thought that this the play that Steve Kerr drew up against the Raptors in game six in 2019 was a really good one like you got to almost have Curry like out in space where he can get his separation beforehand and Wiggins obviously not as good of a shooter as Steph but Steph is just like in that situation it's more about just being able to get the shot off than how good the shooter is to me and you know obviously there would have been a massive revolt if the play wasn't for Steph I get that but it's you still like Steph Curry is the greatest shooter in NBA history but he's not the greatest shooter in NBA history on a catch and shoot no dribble with two seconds left in the game um he just can't rise up that way so I've been working with Masterclass now for probably four years, ever since Steph Curry's class on shooting and ball handling came out. And I still find more classes that I'm enjoying. My wife and I have actually been sitting down together and watching Gordon Ramsay's class and learning a ton about cooking technique that basically we're applying right away. More her than me, if we're being honest, because it is the NBA playoffs after all. I don't have a ton of time for cooking right now. But I'm just continually wowed by the quality of Masterclass 
just even when they're filming him doing the class they've got like four different cameras there they'll show you an overhead view above him of what he's doing in the pan or the bowl it's really just remarkable and really whatever your interest is and however deep you want to go into it whether you want to just watch the videos whether you want to work through the downloadable materials as well and you can watch it on ios android we're casting it to our chromecast super easy the way to get started with them and get unlimited access to every master class and 15 percent off an annual membership is to go to masterclass.com slash capspace easy to remember because we talk about it all the time here on the program that's masterclass.com slash capspace for 15 percent off masterclass don't forget that slash capspace to let them know that you came from us that was it. And now the Lakers will play the Suns. We'll get a chance to look ahead to, to that one at, at some future point that doesn't start until Sunday. Anything else on this one? Or should we talk uh, about the renewal of Memphis uh, and Golden State? Oh, well, well, I think we should talk about Memphis and San Antonio first. Oh, yes. That was, that's hilarious. That's that's hilarious that, that uh, that's how i did this so yeah this game starts off 38 19 in the first quarter and i tweeted after the first quarter like oh i guess the 10th seed just has zero chance in these playoff games it's looking like a repeat of what we saw yesterday between the pacers and the hornets and then the spurs got right back into it and they did it with a 30 to 18 second quarter so it wasn't like they scored ridiculously well it was pretty odd actually the spurs had were in the teens in the first and third quarter and scored over 30 in the second and fourth well i don't but, think that i don't think that was a coincidence and <laughs> i i think that yeah. the way the way uh seth partno described it in the first half and i think this was apt was that taylor jenkins got a little greedy with his rotations and so he put out this lineup in the first half that in this in the beginning of the second quarter that was Grayson Allen, Melton, Ty, uh, Tyus Jones, Xavier Tillman, and uh, Kyle Anderson. And they couldn't score. They gave up a ton of buckets. And remember, th- this is a slightly different Spurs team in the sense that they don't have the same ridiculous, like, horrible starters. Generally speaking, horrible starters, great bench. But Patty Mills went off during that stretch. They they got they got a lot of opportunities. I think that was when Rudy Gay started to get hot. And playing without Morant, Valanchunas, and Dylan Brooks at the same time, it just gave San Antonio which already had a talent advantage a lot and so that's part of the reason why you saw when memphis when it was starters versus starters memphis looked great when it was anything other than that less great well i would even drill down further because i I did think they made the right move by not putting jaron jackson at center that has really failed for them this year on the backup unit and they took brandon clark out of the rotation entirely and i thought tillman actually played well i didn't think he was the problem i didn't either um well he was better in the fourth he was a little little shaking yeah and grayson allen has started all year he's he's coming back from injury i think it was an abdominal injury that he had and you know did not play against the Warriors on Sunday and so just putting him out there I just don't I mean maybe they wanted to get more spacing out there for that Tyus Jones unit and Justice Winslow obviously is out of the rotation but Grayson Allen had one of the worst stretches of basketball I've ever seen and just to bring him in in a must-win game a guy who's probably you know between your 10th and 12th best player his first game action in weeks is this game so this is when I, I cataloged everything that happened here. Uh, first, he gets beat by Patty Mills twice. Uh, Mills get, gets an open three. Then he gives up an offensive rebound to DeJounte Murray. Then he goes to in transition, dribbles into four guys, uh, and turns it over. Then, for some reason, he was guarding DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan scores over him. Then Grayson Allen missed a three when he wasn't really open uh, at the top of the key. Then they had to double team... DeRozan in the post because he's guarded by Grayson Allen and DeRozan gets a uh, a free throw assist out of it 
And that was basically, you know, the majority of that 17-0 run that the Spurs had to get right back into it. It, it was 41-22 and the Spurs scored 17 in a row to make it 41-39. And then we basically had a game at that point. They brought Morant back in and uh, Valanchunas and Brooks. Brooks actually played in that those minutes in the second half and obviously Allen did not. But it was just, and particularly, it was already starting to suck for Allen. They took a timeout and then they left him in and, and it continued to suck it was just a terrible series of plays by him on both ends and just particularly coming back from the injury and being rusty and it just like Alan has a much makes much more sense playing with the starters because he's probably their best shooter although yeah, Bain and Melton may, might have some claim to that as well but yeah it, it was terrible I, I and, couldn't believe how bad it was and as horrendous as Grayson Allen's five minutes were that's how great Jonas Valanciunas's 38 were I thought that- oh, oh wait hold on no no I, I have another paragraph in my notes of how bad he was can, can I give you that too uh Brooks and Jackson come back in they stick with Allen rather than just playing Bain <laughs> some more he leaves Patty Mills for no reason and gives up a three at the end of the clock then uh irony of ironies uh grayson allen trips trying to guard Dejounte murray in pick and roll uh and then uh they give up a a play where i think it was pertle scored at the rim in a, in a two-on-one out of the pick and roll after allen fell down uh yeah pretty pretty terrible um but yeah you're you're gonna move on for, from grayson allen now yeah i was gonna move on to Jonas valanciunas and you could tell his value both when Valanciunas was on the floor. He almost dropped a double uh, double quarter. That's, I guess that would be what I call it, a 25 and 25. He ended up with 23 and 23. Um, 10 is 16 from the field. But also you could tell that in absentia because the Spurs were getting so much better looks when Valanciunas was on the floor. And the Grizzlies didn't have those same physical advantages. Valanciunas had five of the Grizzlies' 11 offensive rebounds. And he outplayed Austrian Jakob Pertl. I thought that Pertl, yeah, Pertl I don't think he was terrible but he was outplayed by overall by Valanciunas yeah I think so Pirtle was much better in the last three quarters I thought particularly in the the second that this the Grizz really had trouble there I mean both of these teams were just like slamming their heads against the other team's brick wall at the rim yeah there was that that the double block sequence where Pirtle got Pirtle got John Morant and then Kyle Anderson got oh god who was it? it was one of one of his former teammates I'm trying to remember which one it was um was that Keldon I mean he got he got somebody on the block the other end yeah no there are a, a lot of block shots in this game Memphis blocked 11 Spurs shot uh, Kyle Anderson had four blocks Valanciunas had three uh Pirtle had five blocks uh, of his own and as we expected this was going to be a lot of twos away from the rim and neither team could make any of them the San Antonio Spurs uh, part of the idea is okay you don't have like the greatest shot distribution but at least you hit the shots from the inefficient areas at a, a higher percentage uh no DeMar DeRozan was five out of 21 and the Spurs shot 35 percent from two they were at one point nine of 40 on twos away from the rim 40 twos away from the rim that was like after the third quarter yeah they they ended the game 13 of 51 on twos oh. outside the restricted area oh man that is so atrocious what was DeRozan so DeRozan one of three in the restricted area three of 10 from floater range one of eight from mid-range no threes oh yeah I mean that's how you get to five of 21 he did get 10 of 11 from the foul line but you take that many shots uh, um you know he got guys in the pump 
fake every once in a while um they had a brief period of success uh in the middle of the fourth quarter of just setting the screen for him really high on the floor so that he could get a running start at Valanciunas he got a couple of decent plays and and set up a, a couple of plays there um both teams couldn't hit a three early on. They finished respectable, but I mean, 22 attempts for either team. Uh, Memphis helped keep the Spurs in it with uh, really bad free throw shooting, 13 out of 24 uh, from the foul line. But I mean, probably the player of the game, I mean, Valanciunas, you mentioned how good he was. And, you know, he had a sweet fadeaway on the baseline. He's just, he somehow ends up standing right at the charge circle on every rebound, particularly if there's a drive by Memphis. So that that's, it, it kind of, if you're missing shots in the paint uh, and some of those floaters fall into this category too, like he, he can get an offensive rebound and the Spurs didn't have the personnel to take advantage of him defensively. I actually was annoyed. They ran one play for Patty Mills where they screened for him using Valanciunas' man. He got a wide open three and they just never went back to it. Uh, um, in fact, I thought Greg Popovich's play calling in this game was not good. They ran a bunch of isos for Rudy Gay, including the same play twice in a row, guarded by Kyle Anderson, and they weren't even trying to get a switch, and Kyle Anderson just absolutely stuffed Rudy Gay. Like, Rudy Gay had no chance uh, against his former teammate, uh, now, Kyle I mean, Anderson. In a certain way, the best button that Pop pushed was the Gorgie Jang revenge five minutes, where they went to those pick-and-pop threes, and Jang actually hit a couple of them, or hit a couple of shots. Yeah. Um, the Spurs, but then they, uh, Jang started getting beat up on three Dylan Brooks free throw line jumpers in a row because Jang was so worried about Valanciunas getting a pass on the roll or getting to the offensive glass that they just let Brooks get to a wide open foul line jumper three times in a row. That was a big part of Memphis reestablishing their lead in the fourth. Here's another stat for you in this game. Spurs starters were one out of eight from three. Insane. Yeah, Walker murray johnson i mean those guys passed up a lot of shots too murray was also really struggled he did have a triple double but he was four of 17 from the field he he couldn't hit anything for for mid-range either in his 39 minutes um you know walker didn't do much they he only got 17 minutes and uh the spurs bench uh hey big surprise spurs bench was way into the positive patty mills 30 minutes uh plus 18 three but, six but what, from three but what Dejounte did do was he was very disruptive guarding job Morant. i mean the the you had the pick six on the first possession and a block i think on the second one you're like oh yeah. maybe it is going to be that type of game but the offensive limitations really did come to the forefront especially when you think like, when DeRozan's not hitting shots yeah and the Spurs bench you know is kind of better than their starters at times and Memphis I mean supposedly this great deep team I mean some of these plus minuses off the bench were ghastly Tillman again I don't think it was his fault other than missing two free throws but he was negative 22 in 10 minutes they just couldn't score and those guys are off the floor I mean Morant plays 41 minutes he's plus 20 and they barely win and and you know it was some Embiid like splits Valanciunas was plus 26 uh in 38 minutes as well and he was he was so exhausted at the end of the third quarter when he just had to sit down after exhorting the crowd when he just he made this like big man wall play where he just stood there and forced a turnover on the baseline and he was like exhorting the crowd into that it's like all right maybe that's not that exciting but you know he was so tired he just needed like a boost from the crowd uh let's see what what else do i have i mean ja his floater game wasn't working he tried actually a couple of just like conventional pull-up jumpers which he almost never takes and they those like weren't even close he had one that was like 
four feet over the basket in the first half but he was able to get aggressive enough late he set up a three he had a beautiful drive uh left-handed extension around Pirtle uh had another like sick crossover I think it was Rudy Gay that he got with that for a floater in the lane and I will credit him he was two of five from three uh that he just he it's clear that after his performance against the Warriors he just decided that he was going to shoot the ball and he needed to shoot the ball and overall I think especially at the end of the game like they got just enough from him and what was obviously you know 196 but uh ended up not being that fast paced of a game it was fast paced in the in the first half and then I think we got to talk more about uh Dylan Brooks's fantastic game yeah I thought that Brooks had a had a bunch of strong defensive work we wondered about how DeMar DeRozan was going to fare against him and that wasn't the sole assignment but it was the primary one and I thought that Dylan Brooks did a very good job making yeah we, we thought DeRozan would have a good matchup on Brooks because of his foul drawing and instead I mean Brooks drew a couple of fouls one of them was a terrible call where he just literally jumped straight up in the air and they give him a foul for some reason but he only had five fouls that was good and he at least picked up most of them on on ball defense but I mean he made DeRozan's life miserable and then when they got put Kyle Anderson on Kyle Anderson yeah. uh made made DeRozan's life miserable as well I mean Brooks he, he really has impressed me defensively and, and and then offensively when DeJounte Murray was doing his best work on John Morant one of the things they went to was Dylan Brooks initiating and I thought he did a better job some of it was San Antonio conceding certain things but he did a nice job being more aggressive in those spots he didn't take as many ill-advised shots as I fear sometimes from the Dylan Brooks experience and I, th- I thought he did he he had a really strong game could make an argument that he was the most important player for the Grizzlies though I would go with Valanciunas Jaron Jackson Jr. did play 31 minutes but he did not close either half oh I think but but so. but but he did have maybe to me the most memorable play of the game when and he drew a horrendous three-shot foul by missing a three by so much that the that the referee thought he was fouled. Like Lonnie Walker caught him on the arm before the catch, and Jared Jackson just said, fuck it, I'm throwing it up. And it's one of those kind of things where I think a ref believes that their eyes might be deceiving them. Calls the foul also a horrendous non-challenge by Greg Popovich because instead of it being it was it was a instead of it being I don't even I'm not even completely sure it was a foul in the first place they probably would have ruled it a non-shooting foul instead of that when the Grizzlies were not in the bonus it becomes a three-shot foul Jaron Jackson makes two of those and like as John Hollinger noted the, presuming they would have made it a common foul and not a jump ball oh well, I mean they had clear possession anyway then it would have you know the Grizzlies would have had an offensive possession maybe they would have you know maybe a, I don't know like a half court offensive possession maybe or at a point per possession or something like that but yeah it was a it was a terrible foul I mean and it was fast enough that maybe pop didn't see it and like it was it was it was spectacular um also spectacular and the Grizz basically led by two possessions oh god the I last, know where you're going the last four minutes or so uh and Ja really has pushed them out to uh that lady set up a, a Kyle Anderson three uh and then had a nice floater first uh, pop he used his one of his remaining two timeouts with 314 left he was very liberal using his timeouts which you know not a surprise when you're getting smacked like that in the first quarter but and they did set up a th- play for a Rudy Gay three that cut it from from seven to four but you also you know you would like to have that second timeout later uh but Desmond Bain had a huge offensive rebound to push it back to eight uh, in the last two minutes and the Spurs somehow despite being down by eight points with 125 remaining did not attempt a three-pointer until there were 9.5 seconds left in the game and they were down by six 
and they were down by five after a pretty key missed free throw from Rudy Gay. Kyle Anderson commits an offensive foul where they don't run nearly as much time off the clock. So 30.9 left, not enough time to get a, a two for one. And they run a play for DeRozan to miss a quick two 10 foot pull up jumper where, so yeah, the quick two, oh, we're going to, so, so we're going to make this so we can be down three with the shot clock off. Congratulations. That gets you nothing, right? Like all they need to do is make one free throw and the game is over. And of course that that's what happened. Uh, and then you're also, the quick two is not just like an automatically, he's taking like a 10 foot floater from a guy who, you know, was whatever he was four for 19 from floater range in the game or four for 18 from uh, outside the paint in the game. It just, that really just didn't make any sense. And then they also just kind of wasted a bunch of time to foul after that as well. Shades of game seven, two years ago against the, the nuggets on that one, although they're down two possessions. It's over at that point. So uh, yeah, the Spurs, as it turned out, never really had a chance to tie it in the last four minutes of the game. Yeah, and so that sets up a rematch at Chase Center of the play-in to the play-in. Now it's the final play-in game, Grizzlies versus Warriors. And for me, the biggest question, which kind of stems out of Sunday's game, is how aggressively is Steve Kerr going to go after it? Is he going to, how, how quickly do you go to Draymond Green at center? And yes, that will concede the offensive glass largely to the Memphis Grizzlies, but that also makes it very hard for the Grizzlies to counter some of what you wanted yeah and Dylan Brooks is going to be on Steph Curry. I thought when, when he was on Steph Curry, they did about as good as could be expected, particularly because you just, you don't have the type of athletes and the type of defensive intelligence on this team that the Lakers had, where you can get Anthony Davis out on the floor, double teaming Steph, preventing him from getting a three off or, or getting blown by. And so as long as Valanciunas is out there, your best hope is just Dylan Brooks, like trying to live in Steph's shirt enough. Um, If I were... I would be, if I were Taylor Jenkins, matching every Dylan Brooks minute with Steph Curry. They did not do that in the first game. And Steph got off at the end of the first and third quarters to some degree when he was guarded by Melton, who just, you know, couldn't do anything against him. And, uh, you know, I think the Grizz can play better than they did. I mean, they were getting blown out. They came back in the beginning of the of the fourth quarter. Also went out to it nicely. I mean, Valanciunas, he's going to be pretty exhausted. I mean, both these guys, these teams have played, you know, very difficult games I mean, you'd say maybe the Grizz have a little bit of an advantage just being a little bit younger how they're going to use Jaron Jackson is, is another one I mean Jackson against Steph Curry had some moments in isolation against him but also had some mental errors as well um the Grizz scoring is going to be another problem and then John Morant like is he going to continue to be aggressive shooting the ball and is he going to shoot it with confidence clearly Golden State is just going to let him do that as they did in the first game any other adjustments that that pop out to you um, from the first game, I mean, we talked about that game extensively. And it was so recently, I don't think we need to get into this too much here. But uh, I mean, anything else just, that sticks out that should be done differently? Just the general from Taylor Jenkins, who plays and how much? I mean, that's going to be a, a huge question. Who does yeah. he trust on his well, bench? Well, so what what are the answers to, to that for, for you? I think you run a narrower rotation. I think that you, you know, probably Bain, Melton, Tyus, if he's going well, Tillman, probably about it. I don't think you need Brandon Clark. I mean, maybe you use Brandon Clark if the Warriors are going small as aggressively as I think they should. But two bigs on the floor, if the Warriors do not have two bigs, is not going to create enough advantages. Yeah, I might actually try to get Ja out earlier in the game 
and bring him back in at the start of the second to really attack Kevon Looney more with Draymond Green out of the game and just try to try to hold on with a defensive group because if you're not gonna you gotta have probably one of Ja or Brooks out there or Valanchunas out there pretty much at all times I would also put Valanchunas in the game at the start of the second uh, as well just yeah that's a great idea yeah minimize his time going up against Steph Curry um and see if you can really win those minutes now you're going to be in danger at the end of the first and the end of the third but at least you'll have your best defensive personnel out there um you know if i'm the warriors i think i'm going to try to use steph as a decoy as much as possible particularly early on you know that steph getting up 36 shot attempts and and 46 points in the last game nine assists it was a lot of on ball stuff for him so i i think they're going to try to uh I, i would try to just like conserve his energy early see if you can stay in the game as well i you know this doesn't feel like it's gonna be a blowout i think this could be a close game and the grizz the grizz are gonna shoot better than six out of 25 from downtown um you know maybe they can try to get andrew wiggins going a little bit more although i don't think he has a great matchup against kyle anderson either and i think i would give more jordan pool as well particularly in the first and third quarter i would go to him earlier because this grizz team doesn't really have the personnel to take advantage of him i would say more pool less baysmore you don't necessarily need baysmore's defense uh, as much and looney uh i think yes he does have to play more he was good in in that game 31 minutes the grizz aren't going to choke off the spacing the way the lakers uh, were able to do um and for memphis i mean you just you got to find a way to get john morant going and going downhill and you know whether that's setting screens higher out on the floor so he can attack i I mean i think you really want to feature him early let him get confident uh be the big usage guy and you know uh maybe let brooks try to work as more of the guy on the second year then attacking the warriors in transition defense you know that's when when memphis got back into it in the fourth and we saw the lakers uh, attack too whether it's off of turnovers which the warriors do a lot they had 19 turnovers in the in the first game and the grizz forced a bunch of turnovers i might actually try to play clark and i might even consider putting clark out there as the center at the end of the first and third quarter and see if his mobility can work a little bit better against steph curry than uh, going with tillman i thought tillman was you know he only played three minutes but he was was better um and what you do with jaron i mean i think i would just have a quick hook on on jaron but they also i think should try to uh I would try to see if I can run some shooting sets for Jaron to take advantage of Draymond Green helping off. And it's always interesting to see Draymond going against like some of the younger Michigan State bigs uh, who followed him. Uh, I think that's about all I've got though uh, on that. Yeah, I think that works. I, I mean, I do think the Grizz can be a little better on the Golden State's pet actions. They should hopefully be a little bit more just to have a better understanding of what it's like going up against these guys. And they'll have a little confidence having beaten the Spurs as well um so tomorrow we'll, uh danny will not be joining us we'll see how good this game is uh in the east but we'll, we'll give you at least something uh, on that danny uh has a uh i guess you, you could tell people if if you want to uh, yeah um, you said I, it on, on the broadcast already so i did uh, i so on on the over the weekend i fe- i had a bike accident and broke broke the end of my collarbone and so i'm having surgery to repair it um on thursday and so we'll see we'll see how long i'm out of commission i'm hopeful but realistic so we'll have to we'll have to see how that is and um i'm I'm not in any pain right now so the hope is that that i won't need as much but you know it is surgery so we'll have to see yeah hopefully you can go back by friday but if not we'll we'll keep giving you your content Uh, don't you worry uh, about that and 
we are also offering a new tier now of uh, $100 per month a subscription for Danny doing a show while he's hopped up on painkillers. So uh, <laughs> you, you can you can check that out. Dunked on that support. All right, um, that'll do it. Thanks so much for joining us, staying up late with us here, and uh, we'll talk to y'all tomorrow night.